Welcome back, everybody. I'm so glad you're listening to me again. We're discussing this very vital topic from the Word of God, Was Jesus Poor? And it's an important subject because whatever you believe about Jesus is what you will accept in your own life. Jesus is our perfect example on the earth. So everything that we see take place in his life should be evident in our life as well. Jesus never sinned. And he did that so that he could give us power to never sin again. Jesus was never sick. And he did that so that we could live a life free from sickness and disease. And Jesus was not poor. He destroyed those three things on the cross so that we would have the power to live in the freedom from those things for the rest of our lives. We understood from the segments we've had already that Jesus Christ was a holy man of God who was a tither, who was a giver. His family, his father would have been a tither and giver as well. They were blessed. That fact alone solidified their blessing on the earth financially. That would have shown that God would have put his hand of blessing on their life and that financially they would have increased every single year because God's word cannot be made to be a lie. And the Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Galatians chapter six and verse seven, the Bible says in Luke six thirty eight, give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will God cause men and women to give into your bosom. These are promises and covenants that are activated by our obedience to the word of God. Jesus Christ was fully obedient to the word of God, and that means that God's hand of blessing would have been on his finances forever. We talked about the fact that Jesus employed a staff of 12 men that traveled with him everywhere, that he fed them, he paid for their transportation, their lodging. He had a treasurer on staff that handled their money. And Jesus never was struggling financially to where he could not continue to bring his disciples with him. Jesus had the finances he needed to do what he was called to do. We saw previously that there were business people who connected their wealth to Jesus' ministry and continued to sow into his ministry so that he could accomplish his purpose on the earth. That's found in Luke chapter 8 verses one through three. I want to show you something today uh, regarding the life of Jesus and the way that he responded to uh, natural things, to natural things that may have been expensive. See, because when you are a wealthy person, you have a wealthy mindset and wealthy people respond to expensive things differently than people who don't have substance because of the fact that your mind is different and in a different frame when you have resources and when you don't have resources. Some people call it a poverty mentality, uh, and, and that is true. There is a poverty mentality that causes you to react differently to things that are valuable, to things that are expensive. Now, I want you to see the way that Jesus reacted when he came into contact with these types of things. Jesus had expensive things. Number one, I want you to realize that when he got to the cross, according to the word of God found in John chapter 19, Jesus wore what the Bible calls a seamless garment when he went to the cross. Now, if you understand anything about how clothing works, we understand that when garments are made uh, for the mass market, uh, 
shops and, and warehouses are, are producing these things uh, at a large scale. Hundreds of thousands of shirts are produced at the same time. And, you know, we, we have the normal sizing, you know, small, medium, large, extra large, and they make the same shirt in different pattern sizes. And then they put seams in the shirt and sew it all together. Now, what do you do when you go buy a shirt or buy a suit or whatever that doesn't fit you perfectly? You know your size, but maybe the sleeves are too long or maybe the body of the suit is too big. You take it to the tailor and the tailor then measures the suit according to to your body and makes alterations. What are alterations? That's when the tailor takes that garment and at the seams either takes the waist of the pants in or lets, lets the waist out or takes the coat in, takes the shirt in. What, what are they doing? They're tailoring that garment to fit your body perfectly. If they didn't have the seams there, it would be impossible for them to tailor the garment. Garments are let in or out at the seams. That's the place where you can adjust the sizing of the garment. The fact that Jesus was wearing a seamless garment at the cross means that the garment he was wearing was created specifically for his body, which means Jesus was wearing a custom-made, tailor-made robe when he went to his crucifixion. It was not a cheap piece of clothing. It was an expensive piece of clothing. And I can prove that to you from the word of God, because the Bible says that the uh, guards that were there, the soldiers, they gambled for his garment rather than ripping it up. Now, I want you to see something. When people were crucified in that day and in that time, it was customary for the the person's possessions to be divided up and their clothes were torn up and ripped up. But when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says that his garment was so valuable and so costly that instead of doing the customary thing, which was to rip up and tear up the garments of the person who was being crucified, that the the soldiers there, the guards cast lots or they gambled to see who would own Jesus expensive robe because of the fact that it was tailor-made and seamless. It was an expensive garment. If you're poor, you do not have the money to be having custom-made garments made for you. This is proof. Now, not only is this proof that Jesus had a custom-made expensive garment, it's proof that he didn't mind having nice things. Now, this is important because I want you to see there's a mindset in the world that if you're going to be a true giver and somebody who's really following God, that you shouldn't have anything nice, that you should make sure that you live a very frugal lifestyle with, you know, making sure you don't buy the best of anything so that you can always, uh, you know, have that extra money to give away. And, you know, there's this mindset that you should always just have less than the best so that you're not extravagant so that you can always keep in mind those that don't have very much, you know, it's a false humility that's on our generation to live in a way that is uh, below what God has you to, where, where God wants you to live. Jesus didn't see anything wrong with wearing a custom made seamless garment that was so valuable that the, that the soldiers wanted it for themselves. They wanted to gamble 
and have it for themselves because it was it was costly and because it was valuable. Jesus responded differently to expensive things than a poor person would respond uh, to expensive things. Jesus didn't have a greedy bone in his body. Jesus, we know, was a giver. We know that he was a tither. We know that he was a giver. Jesus was not greedy. So when these things came to him as his harvest, he didn't have any issue receiving them into his life. I'll show you another example of that from the word of God. The Bible says that when it was almost time for Jesus to be crucified and Jesus was sitting uh, in the house, fellowshipping with his disciples and with others that were there, that uh, Mary came with a bottle of perfume. This is found in Mark chapter 14. And she took that bottle of special, special perfume. It was spikenard. And she broke that bottle open and she began to anoint his body with it. Now, people started freaking out when that happened, because especially Judas. Judas was all upset because the Bible tells us that that perfume was valuable. It was so valuable that uh, it was worth what they say was a year's wages at the time. Now, think about that. She took a bottle of perfume and ointment that was worth a year's wages and broke it open and begin to anoint Jesus' body with it. Jesus didn't start freaking out and jump up out of his seat and say, what are you doing? That's worth a year's wages. Do you know how much money that's worth? You could have sold that on eBay. We could have had all the money for ourselves. We could have used it to help you know, further our ministry. We need gas money. We need No, Jesus didn't freak out when she took that expensive perfume and broke it and began to anoint his body with it. He sat there and allowed her to sow that seed into his life and into his ministry. And Judas was the one who started freaking out and said, Lord, I can't believe you'd let her break that bottle and say, you know, we could have sold that and given that money to the poor. And the Bible even tells us that, you know, Judas didn't say that because he cared anything for the poor, but he was the one who had been stealing from Jesus treasury. And by selling that perfume worth a year's wages, it meant there would have been more money in the treasury for him to steal and lay his hands on. And so Judas didn't say any of those things because he cared at all for any poor people, but he was greedy. He was full of that evil spirit, that covetous evil spirit that causes people to live in a place where they're not givers. See, the issue is this. If you are a proper giver, like the word of God declares you should be, a cheerful hilarious giver. If you've got that kind of an attitude, if you've got that kind of a spirit in you that you've developed by being a cheerful giver, a a hilarious giver, it changes your attitude to the place where you don't mind being a cheerful, hilarious receiver. Many, many times this is the issue people have. And I know many good people that they would help you. If you were in trouble, they would do anything they could to help you. They would give you the last shirt they had off their back if it helped you out. But then if you tried to give them anything, they would never receive it. They say, oh, no, like we couldn't receive that. Thank you for thinking of us, brother. But uh, we're fine. Thank you so much for, and, you know, you, I'm sure you've met someone like that, that you've maybe tried to buy their meal or buy, buy them something, a gift or clothing or something and say, oh, no, thank you for thinking of us, but we could never receive that. That is a foolish way to live your life. 
because the Bible tells us clearly that when we're givers, God will send people to give back to us. If all you ever do is give and you refuse to receive, you are cutting off half of the covenant action of what God said will take place. How are you going to ever receive if you refuse to receive? Give and it shall be given unto you. And so Jesus lived this principle out in his life and people came and gave to him. If you're stingy, if you don't do what the Bible tells you to do, you know, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 and on, you know, through verse 8, the Bible says that it's the level that you choose to give to God that determines the level you will receive back from God. So people who give sparingly, according to the word of God, they will reap sparingly. People who give generously or bountifully, they'll reap bountifully. It comes back big. And so you need to, you need to realize this. Jesus was not some cheap, stingy giver. Jesus was the embodiment of a generous, hilarious, cheerful giver. And because he was, it caused him to be a magnet for people who would come and give back to him. That's why these business people were attracted to his ministry. That's why people came and would sow into him and to give to him because he himself was a sower and a tither. And because he was, things that were expensive came to him and he didn't have any problem receiving those things and neither should you. Don't ever let the devil make you feel like you can't receive the blessings of God into your life. One of the things I'll never forget that I heard a minister say is that only changed people can change the world. Only changed people can change the world. If you don't have more than enough, you can't help others who don't have more than enough. And the the same is true here. This principle of the blessing of God, the reason that we're looking at this subject of was Jesus poor or was Jesus wealthy is because unless we realize that Jesus Christ had more than enough, an abundant resource in his life and ministry, then we will not feel it right for ourselves to have the same thing. And see, the problem with that is that there's a harvest of souls that are ready to be reaped. They're dying and on their way to hell, and it costs money to get people saved. It's not free. The gospel is free, but taking it to people who need it costs money. And if we don't have the resources that we're called to have, then we will not reap the harvest we're called to reap before Jesus comes back. The basis of this message is to see souls saved before it's too late. And if we don't have the resources that God has set aside for us to collect, then we will not be able to do what God's called us to do at the scale he wants us to do it at. Time is running out. Jesus is getting ready to come back for his church. And there are millions and millions of people, billions of people who are not ready to see Jesus when he comes until we're willing to step up. See, not every person listening to me will stand in a, in a pulpit somewhere and preach a message and preach to thousands or tens of thousands and see people come to Jesus in that way. Many of you are anointed for business. You're anointed to work a job with excellence and, and to have increase come into your house. Let me tell you something. When you begin to do that, God can make you uh, 
what I like to call an oasis of blessing on the earth. Somebody who God raises up to connect their wealth and to connect their finances to the kingdom of God and to watch as God uses that to bring people into the kingdom. In the same way that God used those people in Luke chapter eight to sow into Jesus ministry, God's calling many of you to sow financially into the ministry and to see people saved as a result. If we don't believe we should be blessed, we never will be blessed. If we don't believe we should be wealthy, we never will be wealthy. And the key is understanding that we had a wealthy savior. We have a father in heaven who owns everything you can see and that he desires for every one of his children to be blessed as well. I want to pray for you today and pray that God will open up your eyes like never before and open up those streams of provision in your life like you've never known in Jesus name. Father, I pray for every person that's listening to these today and I pray in Jesus name that you would open up their eyes in the spirit realm, increase their wisdom and revelation of the word of God so that they can realize what belongs to them in Jesus name. Now, Father, let this be a year for every one of them. Open Open up streams of blessing, fountains of blessing like they've never had. Give us instruction as to what we should sow into the kingdom of God like never before. And we thank you that increase is coming speedily in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Again, thank you for listening. I I love you. And listen, get in contact with us and let us know you've been listening. Uh, Our username on Twitter is at T Shuttlesworth. That's at T Shuttlesworth. You can always access our website, miracleword.com. That's miracleword.com. I love you. We're praying for increase for you. Don't forget signs and wonders and goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. Mm